Welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast, a production from Empowering Pumps and Equipment as the voice of the pump and related equipment industry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 130 of the Empowering Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Matthews, and I just wanted to say thank you so much for choosing us and showing up and listening every week. Do us a favor and like and subscribe. Uh, We'd love for you to make it easy for yourself. And if you subscribe, then we show up just automatically. So go ahead and stay connected with us at Empowering Pumps using that hashtag Empowering Industry Podcast. That makes it easy for us to see you as well when you mention us. Uh, And we'd like to hear from you. We'd like to hear what uh, you liked about the podcast and what you are experiencing in the empowering pumps or pump talk nation out there. So definitely mention us so we can stay in touch with you. One thing this month to mention is it's leadership month around here. And we have two wonderful leaders that I'm going to share with you today. But I would like to also invite you to our leadership summit. And that's going to be from 9 to 12 a.m. Central Time on August the 20th. Third, um, I'll put the link in the show notes so you can join us. But we have a great lineup. Several of the people that are my coaches will be on there too, as far as leadership goes. And I'm just really excited to bring all of those people in industry who also are showing leadership skills, but also providing knowledge and tools for us to learn from. So take a look at that lineup. And if you didn't hear, uh, I did go over the lineup on our podcast a couple episodes ago. So. Other updates to keep in mind uh, for Empowering Team is the early bird is closing the week of August 30th for Empowering Women in Industry. Uh, So that early bird, again, August 30th, if you're coming to Empowering Women in Industry in New Orleans, October the 13th, you're going to want to take advantage of these savings because those prices are going up. Also, EPIC is happening. Uh, That's Empowering Pumps and Industries Conference. And we are taking award nominations right now for that. And there's so many different categories. But the one that we talk about all the time on here is that we want you to nominate a person, Industry Person of the Week. And that's going to turn into who we award our Industry Person of the Year Award at EPIC, uh, along with some others that we have planned. So thinking of you know, stuff that we have planned. I wanted to go ahead and let you know, as my special people out there, my listeners, that Epic 2023 is actually going to be hosted at the Water Tower. If you remember, I brought on uh, Melissa Meeker and also Chad Wilbrinks that his story was just published through here on the podcast as well. Uh, But two really great uh, leaders there at the Water Tower are going to help us put this together. They're amazing facility. I've toured it and done some podcasting there live too. So lots of things to go back and listen to as far as the water tower goes to kind of get the internal, I don't even know, the vibe of what's going on at the water tower um, and just the information of all the things they have to offer and the training programs that they're already doing at the water tower. And so this is a great collaborative partnership because they have basically built a space that ties into everything that we're wanting to do with Epic. So that empowering pumps and industry conference where we bring the workforce and industry together to connect. So thank you to the water tower. 
Okay, let's move on to our industry interview. I have had the pleasure of talking with these great leaders, like I said, but also I'll just start with Eileen O'Neill. She is the one uh, that is really put us together with Gassan Corban that we just had a great conversation about leadership and what the lessons learned of the water industry from these two remarkable people. So Dr. Eileen O'Neill is a speaker, writer, and retired as the executive director of uh, WEF, which is the Water Environment Federation. She has an international organization. Well, she, the, the WEF is the international organization of water quality professionals. Um, they're headquartered in Virginia, which I don't think I paid attention to that before, which I thought was pretty cool. Eileen has worked in in academia. She's worked as an environmental consultant uh, in the U.S. and Europe, and she's just a water innovation advocate, and she's done all kinds of things. But what I really, and like I say, we've had a lot of different partnerships along the way. Most memorable to me was her as our MC at the Empowering Women in Industry Conference. She was excellent, but she just published a study, and it was conducted by Partnering for Impact, and she the, the report itself is called Staying Above Water, Lessons Learned from Water Sector Change Leaders. And so that's why I'm titling this Staying Above Water. Also, because we will be able to give you this link uh, where you can download this report, but also because we are also talking to Gassan, who is the Executive Director of Sewage and Water Board for New Orleans. Prior to becoming the executive director there, he served in the Department of Public Works for 31 years. In his last eight years, he was the commissioner of public works. And um, his current role there in New Orleans is that he oversees the provision of clean water, drinking water, treatment, and the wastewater and drainage operations for the city of New Orleans. Uh, His primary mission is to overhaul the agency's antiquated equipment and infrastructure, which I think if you really have followed New Orleans at all, um, or even the news several years ago, you know, they have challenges with water. So it's it's definitely a challenging career that he's had, but he is currently on the board of the U.S. Water Alliance and as well as AMWA, and he is the part of the Mayor's Complete Streets Task Force in New Orleans. And, you know, he started his career with a bachelor's degree in civil engineering and a master's in science degree in construction management. And I think all of these things, you know, he he did in Milwaukee at the university there. And he really is bringing that into New Orleans in a, a trying time, if you will. And he goes into that. And it's a really really touching story, but it's also like we can see that we are improving our infrastructure. We're improving all the things for New Orleans as far as water and water treatment and what to do with all of the systems, the sewer systems, if you will, uh, when we know that water is prevalent in New Orleans and and how do we take care of it, basically. Um, So a lot of insight from him there. And then Eileen really shares about all the different lessons learned that you know, along the way as she's interviewing these different water leaders for her report, which I think is just remarkable. I love storytelling, but, you know, going in and, and really listening to someone's story and then diving in and saying, okay, what can we learn from this? Which I thought was really, really excellent. So, okay, that's enough from me. Uh, Without further delay, here's your interview.
Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Matthews, and I have such a special opportunity today. I get to walk, you know, walk through, talk through uh, a lot of different stories and really get to introduce you some amazing water professionals. I really got inspired by this because of the release that went out. And I think anytime we talk about having an impact and an impact in the water industry, it always gets my attention. But I also think that uh, Eileen O'Neill, who is one of the the untold mentors out there for me specifically, I always say that it's not a you know a, it's not one of those things we put in writing. But I I absolutely follow you, Eileen. I look up to you, and I'm just so thankful that we get to to learn from you. And I think that that's what we've done here. So thank you, Eileen, for being here and introducing us to these water leaders. So I'll start with you, Eileen. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Yes. Um, thank you very much, Charlene. That's so kind of you. Um, I'm Eileen O'Neill. Um, I am the former, the retired executive director of the Water Environment Federation. And now I'm semi-retired and get to spend my time on causes and areas that mean a lot to me. And um, one area that I'm spending a lot of time on right now is, is an entity called Partnering for Impact which is about, you know, we used to think innovation was all about technology. I think we now know it's about innovators. So um, Partnering for Impact is looking at those those factors that enable innovation to be introduced. But yes, I've got a, a long career in the environment that about 30 years ago got into water and have just really been blessed to um to work with water professionals and to observe water leaders. So Charlie and I, we've, we've known each other for maybe about four years um, yes. and have worked together on some, some great projects around empowering women. So thank you for inviting uh, me to be here today. Yes. And so that Partnering for Impact kind of sent out this press release of the created document or report or or just, I don't know how to describe it exactly, but the it was about staying above water, lessons learned from water per sector change leaders. And I think that's really important. These leaders that we're talking to, they are making an impact and creating change within our industry and you have showcased them. So it's not just one report. There was many things that went on with this, but that's how I learned about it. And uh, definitely seeing you at the water tower and, and getting to kind of recap what you're doing out there in the industry. So I would like you to introduce our guest that we're going to bring on to. Uh, go ahead. Yes. And um, as Charlie said, I had the privilege of um, interviewing 11 uh, generous, I called them generous and wise leaders from the water sector. And one of them is our guest today. And when Charlie asked me about talking about the report, I asked, well, could I bring uh, at least one of the leaders along with me? And um, Ghassan has kindly uh, agreed to be with us today. He has a, a very big job. Um, but one of the things that I learned uh, through staying above water was that we are all more than our jobs. We're more than our technical skills. We are our values and our experience and our, our life stories. And so I've been asking people to uh, to listen to to tell their stories and listen to the stories of others. So Gassan, we are honored to have you here today, and you are the executive director of the Sewer and Water Board of New Orleans, big responsibilities uh, for potable water, for wastewater treatment, and also for drainage. 
But you have an incredible personal story. And I wonder if, if we could start, Charlie, if you don't mind, with, with hearing about Gassan's career and leadership journey. Absolutely. So, I so love welcome that. and thank you so much for, for, for uh, making the time for us today. Good morning and thank you both for, for having me. Um, a special thank you to you, Irene, because you, I find you to be very inspiring. You have this special knack of finding the, the, the soft spot in people's uh, talents and leadership and you just bring it out and I, I just appreciate what you do and how you do it. So I appreciate being here. So I'm the exec director of the Sewage and Water Board of New Orleans, and I've been here for almost 40 years. Seems like a flash, to be honest with you. And the best way to describe what I do, really, I, I think I finally found a mission or a cause. This is really, I look at it as, as this is what I've been training for all my, all my career, you know, and finally... Arguably, I was lured into this position, and I find it a blessing and just it's just an awesome opportunity to be part of a a, a legacy, you know, uh, on behalf of the city of New Orleans and on behalf of all the men and women of the utility who are uh, just remarkable heroes, day in and day out, just wake up and against many odds, uh, we try to stay above water. I love your phrase, Irene. It's just so, you know, on on point. You know, this is what we do. We live below sea level. And uh, yes, we do produce good, awesome drinking water. We collect and, and uh, treat wastewater. But ultimately, we're seen as people who keep the city dry. And it's an awesome, sometimes daunting task. And we are trying to turn the city from a city that survives water to a city that thrives and lives and enjoys water. I mean, it, that's how it existed. 300 years ago, somebody saw this as a possibility and against, again, many, many odds. And sure enough, today we are still here and not without challenges, but you know, collectively as an awesome team trying to keep this this utility and ultimately the city moving forward in a very, very good way. So it's an awesome to be here. And just, again, I feel blessed to have this opportunity. Yeah, go ahead, uh, Eileen. Yeah, I wanted to um, just ask you, son, I remember that and that has struck with me, you saying that you felt you were preparing your whole life for this responsibility opportunity. Could you talk a little bit about, I mean, you had a very long and storied career in Milwaukee. You grew up out of this con- outside of this country, and you are, um, everyone, we'll talk about that in a bit. I found out engineers can really be people people, but you were, I think you epitomized that for me in terms of um, the empathy that um, is natural to you. And, and, and I know at one point you thought of a different kind of a career. To mm-hmm. engineering. So could you talk a bit a, a bit about your personal journey and how it's prepared you for what you're doing? Absolutely. I, I don't know how far I want to go back, but I, I was born and raised in Lebanon, beautiful country, much too small for so many of us who uh, have higher aspirations and, and ambitious. That's been the history of Lebanon. You know, it produces more people who live outside the country than inside. Truly is, is, is remarkable. So I've 
you know, I started my journey by leaving a war torn country in 1982 and uh, found a very good school at Marquette University in, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and got my uh, both bachelor and master degree in, at Marquette and established a life and a career there. Uh, raised a, a beautiful family of, of four children. They're all grown up now and they all stayed in Milwaukee. And as far as my career is concerned, you know, I, I've found a very, very awesome job with the city of Milwaukee and I uh, served them for 31 years. And the last eight years, uh, I finished at, basically at the, the top job of uh, Department of Public Works Commissioner. And I managed all things public works and I just loved every minute of it. I loved the job. It was very, very rewarding, a lot of variety. But at one point, I just, you know, felt like it, it was time to move on, allow somebody else to take on and just bring a, a new, fresh perspective on the, you know, the kind of the new chapter for the city. And I started just looking around and, I use the word lured and I, I was lured into New Orleans with, you know, obviously it's a beautiful, gritty, you know, unique city, but I knew people here who knew I was, you know, ready for a new chapter and they offered me and, you know, kind of, they didn't tell me the whole story for certain about a challenging job in, in New Orleans and leading the utility. And had I known what I knew now, Chances are I probably would have been scared, to be honest with you. But things happened for a reason and took on the job and start, you know, peeling the onion and unearthing so many, you know, challenges. And then I started being convinced that I'm in, I'm here for a reason. I'm in the right spot. And I felt very inspired, mostly with people and their desire to just do better for their city. And 40 years later, I, I feel like, you know, we never missed a beat. And we are at a chart, you know, at a path of, you know, modernizing a lot of uh, what we do. And giving hope to not only, you know, my team, but also to the city and our customers. So um, kind of brief, but it's very, it's been an exciting, very fulfilling journey. So I'm just going to pause for a second. Is that in, whose siren is that? So, so that I, my office is on St. Charles. So I, you either hear the rumbling uh, streetcar, St. Charles line, which is the, the longest running streetcar system in the United States or, or sirens, either police or ambulances. Okay. Well, I just wanted to make sure. I mean, you're right there in the middle of, of town. So uh, wonderful. Yeah. And just to kind of go back to, you know, what you were saying, it's, it is a big job. And when, you know, we've seen how water, it really is a powerful force there. And especially in New Orleans, we've seen so much and we've seen the community come together. So I think that you, you know, right there on making an impact and, and really with the people of New Orleans who care about, and like you're talking about the heroes every day who are working to make sure you have clean water and that the water is maintained and safe. It's, I'm glad that they, they put you in that position and that we can, you know, know that you are doing that with purpose. And I think that that's really, really important. Eileen, do you have any, any other questions? Yeah, I think related to what Gassana's talked about, about the people and his the warmth of which he talks, his workforce. 
the the report um, in the report people will see if they read it that I really made an effort to get a diversity of leaders and everyone's public sector but we went from you know people who just do wastewater to people who like the sun do potable water wastewater drinking we went for different parts of the country but one um one area I flubbed was that every single one of these leaders is an engineer. Now, don't get me wrong, I love engineers, but as one of my favorite engineers um, who used to run the, the water system for Western Australia said uh, one time, Sue Murphy, engineers are trained on the ingrained to solve problems. And these are people who have big problems and have technical backgrounds, and but it's not their job to go in there and actually design it. And so in my lessons learned about leading change, I have seven and um, they're not in any particular order, but number, except for number one is number one. Everybody said it's about being relate, being able to relate to people, people of all different backgrounds, being able to sort of bring empathy to the space. And Kasana, I hinted a little earlier, I had heard and we talked about um, the fact that at one time you had thought of being a social worker. Mm-hmm. And in terms of being empathetic and embrace change, I told my husband, we need Kasan next time I need to get a new car because I <laughs> hang on to cars <laughs> for too long because I, again, I think you would call it a romantic relationship, Kasan. But can you talk about that, the, you know, that the power of, bringing deep empathy and the importance of being able to connect to people, to you being able to bring change to New Orleans. Oh, absolutely. And again, it's a, it's an awesome, I guess, skill or built-in desire in me to, to get to know people and just interact with people. So it's just that I think to me, I don't know how you can lead without that ability and that that desire in you you know loving people interacting with people and that's just i mean that's at the end of the day that's just what it's all about right so yes i at one point i did consider going into social work and i was discouraged i think it was maybe more cultural influence more than anything else that nope you will be an engineer you're good at math go do your thing kind of very typical uh, situation and I certainly landed a technical and engineering position, but I tell you, predominantly my job is dealing with people, understanding people, leading them, encouraging them, sometimes just lifting them up or just just showing uh, empathy. And no more than this place, you can you have that opportunity to to show it and learn, you know, what it means, you know, to to appreciate people and what they do. I mean, when I first took this job, I did a lot of reading about the history of the city, the most recent issues that kind of brought the the circumstance that may have brought me down here, to be honest with you. I, it was a terrible uh, 2017, August 5th flood that really caught the city unprepared. And there was a shift, you know, a change in leadership and I landed here. But at the end of the day, you know, I recognize that one thing I cannot, can never do is pretend that I know the challenges and the history that my own folks, my own team still that exists now have gone through, especially with Katrina. I mean, many of them were displaced, lost loved ones, lost their homes work through just 
terrible conditions to, again, bring the city back. So I never for a minute, you know, uh, pretended I even understand the magnitude of that that sacrifice and what they've done. So from from the get go, I just put them on a pedestal in a way, and I told them, look, look, you're 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 leading. I'm walking behind you. You're the battle tested ones, and somehow we just you know as a team we're gonna figure out how we're gonna turn this ship around and. You talked about romance. Uh, I mean, this is so true. With that history, you know, you get so kind of like, you know, you become one with the system that you use to to save the city. And they had a hard time culturally letting go of it. And that, I, I feel, where I became instrumental into kind of starting to, well, we appreciate the history, we appreciate what this system, as genius as it is, has done to the city, time has come, right? To We can't continue to patch 100-year-old pieces of equipment. It's just not sustainable. We owe it to the city to kind of re- celebrate our past and what we've done, but let's just turn around. And I couldn't have done it if the the folks weren't convinced and now they are the ones who are promoting advocating you know with pride that we did so much with past equipment but now we we're going to modernize and we're going to move forward and i'm truly enjoying now walking behind and just you know watching the team just perform and i always feel like if i leave now if i disappear hopefully they won't miss me because the path is set and they just believe and they, they're just doing it so it's an awesome place to be yeah that that's um, amazing I remember you talking about that that you the understanding that your team has of the importance of what they do is unusually high given what they've, they've been through and I have noticed also that when you're interviewed I've, I've seen you interviewed by others you always talk about the ingenuity and what a what a great team you have, mm-hmm. um, you know, to continually support them and lift them up. It's wonderful to hear that there's progress being made because one of my other principles was that I, it's not my principles, it's the principles I learned from these incredibly wise people, um, both from Kevin Schaefer, who's a mutual friend of ours from Milwaukee, mm-hmm. and then also from Rudy Chow, who was director of public works for Baltimore. What, what I, internalized listening to them was you have to act like you're in a sprint but be ready for a marathon both in terms of the pace at which change will happen and the pace at which people will will recognize it and particularly I mean since you're the one trying to uplift and keep everyone going that must be something you know I'm I'm sure the pace of change um, in Milwaukee is, is different to the culture down in New Orleans. So could you talk a little bit about that? Does that ring true with you? Uh, certainly. So maybe, uh, I mean, that's an awesome analogy to use the word per marathon because it couldn't be more really fitting. There's no sprinting here, to be honest with you. So, and here's what I mean. The way I see this now is that if you picture a marathon of, I don't know what it would be, a typical number of participants, say 10,000 people participating in a marathon, I basically equate the 10,000 folks in, in a marathon as the utility. And 
So if one, the first person who wins, right, is that's one task and one situation that we've solved, but when we still have many, many more and the pace of finishing or getting to that finish line changes by what you do, what you're focusing on. So it's just kind of like you celebrate together for the success of the first uh, runner crossing the finish line, but you're also keeping an eye on the last person who may be the slowest, but with the 100% intentional and purpose to cross the finish line. So kind of as a team, kind of all of us at one point, you know, keeping an eye on the first and the last and everybody in between. So we've been doing a lot of, we've enjoyed a lot of successes that these small, call them low hanging fruit, right? So those are the, maybe somebody sprinted to the finish line. Yes. But at the end of the day, there's remains so many bigger long-term tasks that will take, a, a, you know, a marathon to finish. So, yeah. but you keep an yeah. eye on, on all of it. You, you remain steady, you remain focused and you just don't lose the resolve that you know, this is where you're heading. And that's why we have a, a strategic plan that we just created for the first time in, as, you know, in recent history, or at least, you know, as far as people remember where now everybody knows where we're heading, you know, as, as an entire utility, not just one piece, because we do so much for the city. Yeah. And that's what I'm really curious about. I, I love your story. I feel like I could dig into so many different parts of it. And I do I hope that everybody will go and, and read, you know, the in-depth of you that Eileen has put together. But for this, the city of New Orleans and what to expect and, and what is happening there with water specifically, um, what can you tell us? Um, well, there's a, I mean, a couple of things. Certainly, we are facing the reality of climate change. So uh, much like you know, the rest of the country, there's a, I would say, a vindicating uh, universal understanding or appreciation that it is happening, right? When it rains, it pours, the frequency is just is, is there, the intensity of rain. So now there's more appreciation that, hey, we're, we are fighting something bigger and more fierce and it, it that requires a, a different way of doing things we got to be more adaptable we got to be more bigger thinkers and more futuristic in terms of you know or visionary in terms of what we build we can't just build something for next year or the year we're building something for the, the next 50 years or more so resiliency and redundancy and and you know, hardening our system has become a universal mission of the city. I mean, it, it is remarkable how much support and embracement we've enjoyed as a utility. While we are struggling with some issues, the city has really embraced us as the, the, the vehicle for the future of how the city is going to survive. So, you know, I have neighborhood uh, groups, I have, uh, I've, created opportunities for people to weigh in and share their vision and their, their concerns. There's been a, this, an awesome way of just bringing an, a collective understanding and push for doing the right thing on a bigger scale. So, so those are like the overarching changes that I'm, I'm sensing. 
and at the same time we are just tackling every system we have and with every single resource we can muster to be honest with you because it's a city that has struggled with lack of and poor investment in in the past and we're, we're obviously changing you know that approach in a big way uh investing in the, in the real way in a steady and and systematic fashion it's going to take a long long time but if you don't start today you know you're you're already behind so so we're modernizing our power that that drives many of our equipment meaning pumps that pump the city dry we're looking at modernizing our drinking water our wastewater you know just changing to the infrastructure that's just been there for 100 years and hasn't been touched so that's exciting <laughs> it's a I, I use the word daunting just to describe how mammoth it is and how much effort is going to require way beyond my tenure in this in this city. Yeah, Eileen, I'm curious, you know, just for our listeners' knowledge, you know, is this the theme throughout your interviews and 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 really the industry in general, or do you, you see it specific for New Orleans taking initiative in this investment? What have you learned in that space as you've went through this process? I think um, Ghassan is, is is describing, you know, an urgency of the need for change while the need to, you know, to take the long view about change. But yes, yeah, so everyone was dealing with issues, be they, be they cities that were growing dramatically or cities that were perhaps there was a, a shrinking population. The need to renew infrastructure, the need to Think about how to build back better. Think about um, how to replace with, with something um, better. I think there was also, as Kassan and I were saying earlier, there's this incredible awareness in New Orleans of how foundational water is to, to everything. But I think sector-wide and public-wise, people are recognizing um, how central water is to everything. You know, just the the pandemic and the the awareness of inequity and how water can be a part of that and the problems of climate change, as Kassan said, and, and I liken it to we all know that it's important to lead in water and um, I'm seeing people leading through water. And by that I mean uh, recognizing how um, embracing change and thinking about the fundamental role of water can really impact communities. So yes, I saw that. And as I said earlier, I interviewed 11 leaders, very, very different people. But I rarely found only one person saying something that, you know, you know, whether you're dealing with a lot of growth, or you're dealing with a different kind of a challenge. Um, it was surprising how commonality and in the publication I have, I have each person's leadership story, because as I say, that's one lesson learned for me is to not to be afraid to tell your story and to to listen. Stan and somebody else are incredible listeners, to listen to the life experience and the stories of others. Then I've got about seven lessons learned in, in terms of leading change and then about six in terms of career resilience. Because if you listen to Gassan talking about the marathon and the 10,000 people, that you know, someone is there um, that has the stamina, that has the capabilities to keep us to keep us all going in that kind of a thing. And I think there are career resilience and personal resilience stories that can be helpful to, to people, or tips, I would say, stories and tips that could be helpful to people 
wherever they are in that in their career. So I hope people will take a look at the, the report. Absolutely. And it just reminds me of my, I was, I didn't run track, but I uh, have a great counselor at school that was a track coach. And he always talks about passing the baton, uh, you know, during that race. And I think that, you know, if you, you have created a culture there that cares about people, that cares about the work that you're doing, then it really is going to be easier to pass down what the tasks are that need to be done with that type of culture in place. So really caring about our people is the way to embrace that change and, and trying to understand what they went through. I also heard a lot of that from you, Kassan, That's just, you know, it's, it's a trauma that is it really is not healed overnight or even in a couple of years. It's something that stays with you and does affect your work. So you have to be mindful of that and, and know that, okay, if something you're in the moment, how is this, how are my people actually going to respond? Um, and do they have the tools to be effective in that? I think it's wonderful that we have somebody that at least thinks about that running the, you know, running there in New Orleans. And I'm really excited about that because we're coming to New Orleans. We have several events there. And I, I mean, I have a love of New Orleans before this in this interview, but definitely having leadership that cares makes it even more impactful and, and, and really I'm glad that we chose to come back. And I say we chose, we're actually following WEFTEC. WEFTEC is in New Orleans this year. Uh, It's that week of uh, October the 11th. And we are going to be there celebrating water and learning from other water leaders. My team uh, with Empowering Pumps and Equipment we go to WEFTEC as a media partner, but this year we're also uh, award sponsors for the operations challenge teams. And I mean, those are the the workers that just, it makes you understand how the equipment works, just seeing them kind of do these competitions. But then it's, it's getting to know them. It's, I, I've got so many friends that I would say are part of that operations challenge team. So I'm excited to get to sponsor that. Uh, and then we end, end that week. Uh, it's the day after WEFTEC. We have Empowering Women in Industry Conference there right across the street in the Marriott from the convention center. And it's just wonderful to be in the heart of New Orleans, that energy that comes from New Orleans, and to be able to bring people together to embrace that development of of us as leaders. That's really what we're doing with Empowering Women in Industry, celebrating, educating, and, and really hoping that, you know, we learn from each other and we celebrate the success that we have already created and the success that's to come. So um, I just really am thankful that you joined me today. Um, as we've been talking, is there anything, I'll kind of give you all the last word here on what you want to share. Well, I mean, I, I certainly appreciate this opportunity and very, very excited to host WEFTEC again. We've done it before and we cannot wait till we have the thousands of you back to our beautiful city. We have a lot to offer. And, and like you said, the energy level is, is unmatched and just the opportunity to learn from each other and just kind of lift each other up in you know time of you know, challenging times, you know, the, the water space has a lot of challenges on many, many fronts. So just to be all in one, under one roof, you know, size of a roof and, and just kind of, you know, commemorate and, and, and uh, lift each other up was an awesome opportunity. And again, I'm, I feel so blessed to be here and just looking forward to what, you know, the future holds for, for our city. Very excited. Wonderful. And Eileen, tell us a little bit more about partnering for impact, if you don't mind before, and, and whatever you'd like to close with. Yeah, well. I guess I would 
For the reports can be downloaded for free from www.partneringthenumber4impact.net. So I'd like to do that because these are really, I mean, it's, it wasn't me, it's these these leaders. So yes, and Partnering for Impact will be at WebTech. Um, we had a, a session last year on leadership. This year, we're going to be looking at funding and the challenge of funding and what can help agencies and utilities lead in the area of research and innovation. So we're, we're, we're those things that we work in that area that we used to think were soft skills. Now we know it was never the soft stuff. I would, I would also say I'm really looking forward to being in New Orleans because for a whole variety of reasons, but one, um, you both talked about getting together and energy and the diversity of people in the profession. One of my um, lessons learned on career resilience was uh, drawing your team. Uh, Gassan, last time you and I talked, you were uh, you were hiring your leadership team, and I know you were looking for you know sort of diversity of perspectives as well as. Um, skills, but the corollary of that was is find your tribe. You know, draw on your team, bring in p- folks who have different talents, but also think differently, and then allow them to to challenge you to to give their perspective. But find your tribe, and I just thought about that as you um, two were talking when I asked people about what sorts of things kept them going. So many men, so many mentioned that these leaders mentioned the friends the connections, um, the support they receive from others who really get what they're going through, that they can talk to and bet things in complete confidence. So um, I think we're going to be back in New Orleans with with our tribe, which will hopefully lift us all up and inspire us. And we can't wait to see the, the great work that you've been doing, Gassan. And I know empowering brands and particularly the Empowering Women event will be another opportunity to to find your tribe or to, to be inspired, connected, uplifted by your tribe. Mm-hmm. So thank you for what you're doing also. Well, I, I am really excited about that. And Gassan, I want you to know that you are invited uh, <laughs> and, and other people here empowering women and they think, oh, it's not for me if I'm not a woman, but you absolutely can come. We have, you know, an awards gala and fashion industry fashion show this year with from, from workwear to yes, high heels will be involved, but it's, it's just one of those uh, that gets you outside of your comfort zone. And I think is a really, really important thing to do, but you, you talk about that tribe and it's, it's a, it's a grand mix of diverse talent. And that's who my tribe is. You know, it's hard to pinpoint and say just you, but it's people like you that have that, that thought for empowering others and and really being there for our teams and our communities. Um, and I see that so clearly from, from you. And, and thank you for sharing your stories and the stories of others. It's so important. Thank you again for being here today. Thank, thank you. you. I appreciate thank you. that very thank much. Thank you, Charlie. Um, look forward to seeing you in a couple of months. Yes, Absolutely. wonderful. Can't wait. Okay, I hope everybody enjoyed that interview. I know I did. I love re-listening to that. And if you want to hear more from Eileen, she is going to be joining us for the Leadership Summit. Uh, She's going to talk to us about personal and career growth and leading change. Her and Carla Reed is going to be with her. And we are going to include the link again in the show notes so that you can join us.
And that brings us to the end of our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review. Subscribe to our channels so that it shows up for you each week with little effort. And it's just a nice, nice use of technology there. You can reach us at Empowering Pumps or using the hashtag Empowering Industry Podcast. You can email me podcast at Empowering Pumps. And we'll be back every Monday with a new episode. So until then, be empowering. Thank you. Thank you. I really did love this interview. <laughs>